0: Many today who have already fallen away from the Word of God, and who were instead following after men and new movements, experiences, and new revelations, are deceived. Some already have and many more will join them in compromising the faith. If you listen to them carefully you will hear the voice of the accuser or the brethren. Though they can be very religious, refined and educated, and serving the Lord, though their speech is peppered with Bible quotes and they recite many scriptural truths, the motivation of their heart is more for accusation than intercession. The battle lines are drawn. We cannot ignore this war any longer. We have lost too much ground and too many souls to this army. Now we must fight for complete victory. The Biblical Editorial Review Series, The War Within the Body of Christ.
1: Hello and welcome to the Biblical Editorial Review. I am your host, Cleaver Rose. I want to thank each and every one of you to be part of this wonderful radio experience. This is a very tough one for me, even for the people that I love, because a lot of it has been happening for a very long time, and I want to really touch bases on something that it will take a series to talk about, and this is something that God has been telling me for almost over a year or two, to really... talking about something that's very, 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 very hard. Now, I did touch on it in 2016 in a lot of ways with different broadcasters that I was doing on the Biblical Eritory Review. And even with that standpoint, it was still hard because it's a lot of information, a lot of stuff was going on, a lot of things happening that occur. And when you deal with things like this, you um, have to be very, 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 very careful of how you deal with it. Because um, I'm going tell you something that's really, really hard that a lot of people don't understand. That we are in war. And what I mean in war, I'm talking about warfare. I'm talking about within the body of Christ. I'm talking about things that happen. And we don't know why. And people try to emulate it to be something different, but it's not something different. This is actually happening. A lot of people in the Catholic Church, a lot of people from different mainline denominations, and even from word of faith and things like that, which we will talk in great detail of why those ministries and the prosperity gospel, the the new atoicc uh Reformation to the gospel coalition and the list goes on are not really what God has tended, and we're going have guests on the show that will explain a whole lot, not tonight. Though, because this, tonight, I'm going to just lay down the foundation on why this is a war within the body of Christ. And it's a huge war. I mean, this war impacts everyone's life. Not only your life, mine's, and everyone else. It, it really stems from the way we look within the body of Christ. You know, you know, this is so sad that we had to talk about these things of civil war within the body of Christ, a a war within supposed to be Christians, a war that that literally have so many ramifications that is unpeckable. Those things are scary. Those things are very, very, very bad. And those things actually happen and did happen. And it's really sad that we have gone this far into this war and not, nobody don't even know nothing about it. Now, you probably asked the question here, what are you talking about, Cleveland? What are you are saying here? What is it that you are putting into the reference of you talking about war when you saying that, you know, it's a fight? It's a fight within. It is some things going on in the you know that you are not talking about. What I'm saying here is really something that is fulfilling in scripture and a lot of times a lot of people don't want to go to scripture about it because scripture has so much to do when it comes to the body of christ and people like well where are you talking about cleveland what are you saying what are you are referring to when you are talking about war now. I'm going to read some now. I've been talking about it beforehand for almost nearly so long that you know it doesn't. It, well, let me put it like this: I'm getting very frustrated about it, but God keep on throwing it out there and says Cleveland. This need to be done. This need to be said. And in the body of Christ, this is why it's very, very important because we deal dealing with all kinds of apostasy in the church. Now, I talked about it before in different shows that we did on the Biblical Editorial Review about apostasy in the church. talking about. Uh, a war that is mer- is emerging, but the war has been going on for so long and still going on. Now, people ask, what are you talking about, Clay? What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about um, here in Jude. And I keep going back to Jude for a reason. And I want to tell you what Jude had to go through. Now, he had to deal with false teachers. And let me explain what I mean by false teachers. False teachers are people who do teach you to do these things against the Word of God. Now, people will think somebody is sitting at the pulpit teaching you these things. That is part of it. But it's much more than people teaching you on you on the pulpit. It's people... Who goes on Facebook, who goes on Twitter, who's on Instagram, who's on YouTube, who's on different platforms. And also, these are the people who goes on to different places like rallies and uh, different formal events and things like that to propagate their belief. And these beliefs are very, very dangerous because... They are the ones that is sending people to hell. The people who don't believe in God, who are the people who are looking for God, but they see this going on in the in the body of Christ. Even so many people who is astute to the Bible be lead astray. Literally. They do. And we have so many people that has done so much evil in God that it's now becoming much more, much more a downfall within the body of Christ. Let me explain what I'm talking about here. And Now, I'm going to go here and I'm going to leave the, just put down the foundation. And it's happening um, in so many ways, and so many you no know, topics about this because um a lot of the things that's going on happen in the body of christ like for instance what is a liberal christianity what is progressive christianity why are those things are so you no know, so deep um and um and why no, um is really, really bad. Well, I'm gonna tell you why it's really bad because it it um it's really, really, really um no, terrible. I could say terrible. I try not to be so mean about it. But you know what? I don't care now. Let's go ahead and get raw with it. It's a lot of these people. It's a lot of different organizations. I'm going to expose these things. I'm going to put it out there because these these organizations are coming up and they always claim to be for the best interest of people. But they are not. These they are not for the best interest of people. They're not in the best interest of anyone. Matter of fact, they are the worst of all time because they literally are the ones that pretty much just just sac religiously disbelieve that what they are doing is for Christ and this here shows a whole lot you no know, about um about um a lot of things now, see, I'm going to read a site here called thechristialelf.org, and I'm going to explain why these things are happening. Now, I'm going to get you, you, know, a little bit into what is going on here, because if you look at it and you see this is going on, including your church in your own background. Now, a lot of people probably say, well, our churches know why they got to be progressive, liberal, this, everything else. Well, there's so many reasons behind of it. You know, and the main thing is, is that um, you got to be before Christ no matter what. Now, here he is here now. um. They ask the question, are you a Christian or or a liberal? And it says, we've been searching for you for 10 years. They've been around for 10 years, okay? Then it says, if you're like many others like us, you probably felt alone out there. you probably be told you can't be a Christian and a liberal. you probably be ostracized by churches and conservatives, quote, unquote. You no, know, Christians, friends and family, you probably doubt your own views at times. You're in the right place. Conservative Christians has turned their back on one of the central tenets of the Bible. The tenet that Jesus said was the sum of the law and all the prophets to love God and love your neighbor as you do yourself. And who is our neighbor? Jesus taught us as a stranger, stranger of a foreign belief system. That is a lie. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's not what the Bible said. OK, let's look that up here, because in order for us to understand about that, um, you no, know, about what it says about that particular thing here. This is where even people who said, "Uh, uh who are um, no Christians believe this," and you all said, "What do you mean, Cleveland?" And I said, "Yeah, it's a so people who said that I, I am a child god." So, um. Where is that at in the Bible? I mean, in order for us to understand what it means, we had to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse four, four, uh, 43. And he says, love your enemy." Love for your enemies. So you have heard that. And this is from the NIV version. So you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your, of your father in heaven. He caused his son to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you even, are not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet, uh, greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even, uh, do not even, do not even pay you through that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And they want to go down to scripture in Matthew chapter 5 about these things. And it's talking about eye to eye, the O's. It it goes all the way to in in Matthew chapter 5. You see? And that's what they're using here to try to get you to lure that. This is, you know, people who, you know, supposed to be loving one another. You're not supposed to be hating one another. Well, if you are sinners. Right. Right. If you are sinners. No, sinners, you know, if you commit sin, you're supposed to repeat that. You're supposed to repent. Right. And see, they want to use Matthew chapter five. I mean, Matthew chapter six, verse five to six. Which right here, I'm going to go here and I'm going to read that right there. And it says, and when you pray, do not be like hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I said to you. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father will see what is done in secret will reward you. That doesn't even make sense for them to use that particular thing to try to say a public mandate to pray for people. But see, he got other problems with this, too. It's a lot of thing is that they are trying to um you no know, that's that right there it says that, that Christianity do not you know well think about it, they humans. We're all sinners. You know, they want to use these words to try to emulate their belief. But this is not biblical. Because biblical stands for that um sin. You no, know, how can you go how are you gonna be in the front of God and you are so endowed in into sin? How? Well, because we we're supposed to love one another. We humans. Yeah, God loves human beings, but he allowed them to sin. He loves you that much he'll allow you to sin. But the thing about it is that God did not allow sinners in heaven. And secondly, God did not allow, and He He his, uh, his just had to quench their sin. You see, Jesus Christ died for sin. So this is a question for people who are liberal and use the Christianity in the same thing. If God, you no, know, if you say God loves everyone, what did Jesus save you from I keep repeating this more and more every time I talk to someone if God says to turn away from sin and God wants us to get to his son and his son died for our sins where what did Jesus save you from what did he, what sin did our sins? Or the sin that uh, keeps you from relationship with God save you from. That's a question that never really um, uh, um comes to uh you know come to mind. Is that people never really sit there and talk about it. Well, Cleveland, what well, what? What is sin? You know, what is sin? People never talk about that. What is sin? Oh, no one wanna talk about sin. Well, we're gonna talk about sin. See, this is the problem with this. We got so many people want to throw people under the bus. And um this is why you have the problem here in the the body of Christ. It's a war, a, a very vicious warfare. And You know, I could go into so many things here that will um, really get you blood boil. And I'm going to know, I'm going to read this one particular article about this particular group of people that I'm going to put it out here. It's called the the Gospel Coalition. The Gospel Coalition. To be honest, it's not a biblical stand, standard for what we live. And they are many ages within the gospel core religion within churches today. Now, I'm going to read this one because this is in Canada that talks about this stuff. Because if you know in Canada, a lot of Canadians are liberal. But even with that, they are very, very strategically want to take away the things that the Bible is saying. You know, a lot of uh, people for the uh, Christian love support homosexuality, they support abortions, they support um things that is um not biblical. They even support things that will take away what the body of Christ is supposed to be. No, and that's not give a biblical sound. And that's really, really very, very sad They you have to deal with that. So, let me go ahead and read this here before, the beforehand, then we will come back on the flip side here. Now, I'm going to read this here. This has happened this year on April the 7th, right? So, um, I'm going to read this here, and this is the Canadian version of the Gospel Coalition, which is, like I said, watch this group. And I'm going to break it down what this group does in so many levels in the other broadcasters here. It's that about 12 years ago you no know, a so a young woman wants to do a comparative study on a conservative quote-unquote quote, and a liberal quote-unquote quote, church she ended up approaching two angelical churches we were the conservative quote-unquote quote, church at the time We were still in the Angelical Diocese of uh, uh, other, which and would have been considered the most conservative angelical church in the diocese because of, among other things, our biblical base stands on a social issue. And we will talk about the social issues, too, because this is where a lot of churches today are standing of identity. And this is why Bible, the only identity we should be standing on is, is Christ's identity. But we are standing on social identity of the world. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit of this whole thing, of this introduction. It says the leading liberal church was also approached. As part of her study, she would visit both churches on a Sunday morning, and then later interview people from each church. She approached me, and I agreed that Messiah, at the time, called Saint, Abel, was, uh, will participate. And she had a very normal Christian background. In memory serves me, I think she attended at uh, a. United Church a few times as a child. She visited the liberal quote-unquote church first. When she left, she was worried. In the liberal church, it was very formal. Priests and servers and choir were all in rows. The music was an organ driven and the choir dominated the service. The hymns were old and at least seemed old. Everything was slow solemn and serious she said to herself, if this what a liberal church is like the conservative church will be even slower and more solemn you get the idea a week or so later she came to a you know that church and she was shocked and confused no roles a band modern music not stuffy i learned all of this lay when she came to interview me. She was shocked at the difference of the frankly could not get her mind around the disconnect between us being conservative and the average age view of the worship of our church. A couple of brief points about all of that. First of all, liberal and conservative are political, not theological words. I'm going to put this in a spin here to really say I disagree for two reasons. Yes, they are political, profound, and sound words. And and they are theological words. However, in a day that we live in, the, the people for the far left and the Christians who are part of the far left, Are using these words every single sermon without using the word? They always talk about social issues going on in our, no, in our world today. They always talk about the things that's going on in our environment today. All that going on here. Okay, so we have to deal with all that. Now let me go a little bit on here. Okay, now. And it's really really, really sad, sad, but we'm we'll talk about this here. He is that when you use the words which are primarily used in the political realm to try to, and distinguish between churches and denominations, you will keep making mistakes about what groups are like. That's another problem here. We'll talk about that in a little bit. She so expected the conservative church to be one of the resilient chains. Resistant change and hold on to the past. She was shocked when the conservative church was more invariant, adapted, and flexible in regards to music, liturgy, media, and structure than the liberal church. The word conservative and liberal, which applies to churches, are indicators of a profound difference, which had no connections how the word conservative and liberal are used use. In the Protestant world, a liberal Christian is one of uh, one who's refined to Christian faith so that they can shape by one of the most contemporary philosophies and or ide- uh, ideologies. In other words, the philosophies and ideologies change the Christian faith so that the faith is aligned with with and does not contradict the philosophy or ideology of the question. Now, 50 years ago the liberal church faith was changed to fit with Marxism and or the sexual revolution, or the rogan theor- uh, theory, or the philosophy naturalism. Today, it might be postmodernism, and or feminism, or the queer theory, or the transgenderism, and or the naive spirituality. That that is true. That is a true thing. He is right. The the liberal church are in minds with that. So called conservative Protestant churches seek straight up historical biblical faith, biblical control, Christianity, and Christianity, which is prepared to as descended from the dominant philosophy of the ideology of society, because Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And the people, in every time, uh, people, uh, every uh, place a group of people try needs to make right will. With the truth and living God, creator and sustainer of all things. Now, this is what they are trying to portray. And a lot of times you got to be very, very careful with this here. In our world right now, people trying to change up the way the word God is. Living Christianity to do that. Satan is conservative Christianity. But here's the thing about it. No, they don't talk about progressive. No. This is where you get the far left, liberalism, socialism, communism from. Because the progressive is exactly what they are doing. This is exactly what's going on in the body of Christ. Because the progressive mindset is Always linger into doing things that is not biblical. Now, we'll say, well, Cleve, what are you talking about? Well, I want you to stay tuned because I will put it all out here. Then I'm going to put out these actors who is the cause of all of this going on in the body of Christ. I want you to listen to. Uh, a pre promo that we have here in, on the Christian Radio Network. And after this is done, we will come back on the flip side and continue on laying on this foundation of this truth here. Stay tuned.
0: You were born on purpose and for a purpose. The era of history into which you were born was no mere coincidence or result of chance. You were designed with this moment in history on God's mind. Destiny is not some whimsical, mythical idea. The reason the ideas of destiny and purpose make the heart pound and the adrenaline flow is because they exist and are meant to be realized. Fight for your dreams with Minister C. Coach Halbert. Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern and 2 p.m. Pacific right here on the resilient christian radio network all right
1: we are back we are back um you know i really want to really put this into another perspective here because i was you know before we came back on the air everything you know something just came up to my wire And it's really, really kind of disturbing in a lot of ways because, you know, we have so many people in that's within the body of Christ that are being led astray. And I'm going to go ahead and just put it out here because a lot of times I could give you all the list of stuff that will give you some meaning. But for you to understand something, you gotta understand the root of where this coming from because nine times out of ten, you know, you won't believe everything I gonna say. You're not going to uh listen in to the facts because of your mindset. Now that's one of the big things that I want to put out here. Your mindset is a huge issue. It's a lot of people out here in the body of Christ don't want to change their mindset. They want to delay something that's not true. Like, for instance, I'm going to give you an example here. When you tell them about sin, you know, think about it. God wants us to be away from sin. Father God brought Jesus to here on Earth, planet Earth, right, for us to see him through his son. His son died and he rose again. We just celebrate resurrection about a few weeks ago. But even with that, people still miss the point of what it really means as a Christian. Nowadays, people don't want to hear it talk about or even want to Declare themselves as Christians. We'll all talk about that. That's one of our broadcasts coming weeks. You know, we'll talk about their very esteem and why people don't want to be called Christians anymore. They'd rather be called believers but not Christians. It's a big, huge difference. And I want to explain the details about that because it's really disturbing. And you wonder, Cleveland, why are you bringing us bad news every time you come on there? And, you know, when you do, you leave us wondering. Well, for several reasons. The main reason is because I don't leave you wondering. I want you to think about the things that's going on. And nowadays, it's so many things coming up in so many ways. And people are really not trying to figure this out. They're not, and pretty much this is a is a, a big huge attack, and this is here one of the biggest things that's going on, this civil warfare in the body of christ this this narcissistic thing of what's going on here because I'm telling you the the the, the this is really true. Whether you don't like it or not, the devil's most powerful army is inside the church. Now, many Christians are unknowingly in the enemy's army. Listen to the enemy voice and thinking is the voice of God. That's what's really going on here. They are using they used by the enemy to attack, slander, and expose and neutralize strategic Christian advances and movements. Let's think about this here. It was um, Elizabeth Johnson did a movement about um, abortion. A lot of Christians, even some black Christians, are set against it because she is a conservative Christian. A Christian conservative, I'm sorry. Then you have something that going against homosexuality. You got some um, Christians in the body of Christ that tried to destroy. Destroyed that. Like, for instance, like every great advancement in the church in history was sabotaged for him. Now, Satan's army is very powerful; is a very powerful army about to do great damage to the Lord Church because its attack comes from where they're least expected—from within. It does, and because of this army. Among us, it may be difficult to spot. That's another warning I'm trying to give you. This kind of army is very, very strategic, powerful. And if you think about it, this this is very, very, no, very, very, very indulged kind of behavior. Because if you listen carefully to the Christians that are in the devil's army, you will hear the voice of the accuser and the brethren, though they may be very religious, refined and educated. OK, though, they may be serving the Lord. Those that uh, their speech may be peppered with Bible quotes, and they may recite many scriptural truths. The motivation of their hearts is. More accused than to intercede. That's another key thing you need to understand. Why they act like that, Cleveland? Well, think about it. This war that's going on has so much of, uh, movements going in. And that is striking the people from within like fat. Like, I mean, just, 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 just simply striking them throwing them out there. No. No, thinking about it here with these things here. I'm gonna throw this here. Because they they do here, they they deal with faults of others like a gambler deals with a cards, exposing every sin, flaw, and doctrine error that a person has made. It, uh, now it pertains to be sheep dogs defending the flock they actually more like wolves that seek to divide us now these are no these are your own Christian brothers and sisters in the enemy's camp we should not fight against them but against the powers that hold them captive we must fight to set them free and bring them back into the Lord's army now think about what's really here now, when people see what they are trying to attack, think about all the things that was going on here. They got these things like, you know, um, dangerous teachers, deceitful things, you know, things that have, they they have these, they know, that's the people we already know. But we talk about people who comes in and brings in stuff. Like, for instance, I'm going to give you an example of one. They they bring in something like, you know, something that's going on in the social realm. Like I'm gonna give you an example here. About a few weeks ago, we was talking about this this guy, this rapper named Nipsey Hussle, and we got black ministers and, you know, some people who's in the conservative realm, so praising this guy who really don't like the president, who don't like nothing of Christianity, hates it, but he he, he tried to do good. He tried, He looks, appears to look like he's doing good. But people will say, oh, man, he's great. He's doing everything else. This is not nothing new. This is what the world wants you to do. Yeah, they, they are very, very, very involved with the community. But he's not even a believer. Wait, they about the believers who are doing something in the community, who really are true brothers and sisters of Christ. You don't give a praise. You don't give them glory. You don't give them anything. You ostracize them because they bring something to the forefront about something and you put them out there to not be like, you put them out there to be labeled as a fool, crazy, demonted, and you name it. Because they say, well, we're trying to get reached out to the world, but he's got people who are of the world in the body of Christ. Here's another thing that's really a scare tactic. Anytime you have a pastor, they preach hate. Now, you're probably wondering what do you mean by that, Cleveland. I'm going to give you an example here. I have relatives, literally relatives, who literally preach hate. I mean, everything that, uh, you know, it says that if you said that you love God, remember, we talk about that. No, no. Remember the Christian left talk about they don't hate nobody, but they do hate. They do. They hate anything. Anyone that's against what they believe. Remember, we talk about in Matthew chapter five, verse 43. Right. You got to love your enemy. Right. Love your enemies. Okay? We talk about that. Remember that? Remember, if you love your enemies, right, you would not have a lot of hate in your heart if you love your enemies. Right? I'm just saying here, if you love your enemies, you we're not have that much hate in your heart. Right? If you love your enemies. Right? I'm just saying it here because um, a lot of people... Really, really get this misconception. And they literally believe that, you know, when certain race of people or certain race uh, or certain different types of people, right, that you should not just gloss upon that. You know, what? Yeah, that's where you, you get mad. And you don't want to hear this true. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 27 here. Okay, Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says, and of course, matter of fact, I'm going to go up a little bit. Because I want to, um, let's do this here. From the English Standard Version here, because I want to put it out here. And and I want to give you the bullet points about why this stuff is going on by the body of Christ. I say here, love your enemies, says in Luke uh, chapter 6 verse 27, says, but I said to you who hear. Now, this is Jesus talking. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tongue either. Give them, give to everyone who begs from you and From one who takes away your goods and do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, you do to them also. That's the golden rule, right? If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For every sinner loves those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that for you? For every sinner, do the same. And if you lend to those who whom you expect to receive, what credit is that for you? To you, I'm sorry. Even sinners lend to sinners to give back to the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend and expect nothing in return. And Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high. And he is kind to the ungrateful and to and the evil be merciful in every even your father is merciful. That right there is our core scripture in um, of what we are talking about going into this whole thing as we are going in this warfare of what's going on inside the body of christ it shows us here what the bible is really clearly talks about when we are looking at the fact that a lot of the people are preaching these things that are dividing the body of christ now i'm gonna give you another example here it's a like i said progressivism is part of that it's progressive christianity do preaches hate? No, no. Uh, uh, I mean, it's really no, really, really sad. No, uh, I mean, uh, it's really sad. No, um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, no, it's. I'm, I'm not just baffled because when you have um, Christians, right? You have people claim to be Christ. You have so many things going on here. And they're trying to. To try to figure all this out here. Like I know everybody was Harper and bent about the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. And a lot of people hate. The fact about this group, but if you really take the time and analyze, right? It's a lot of people who do this. Let me give you an example here of hatred, and this is from, um, Dr. Martin Luther King. Now he he says sermon delivery: uh, "Love your enemies." Now. He tried, and a lot of people will get mad at me about the things that Dr. Martin Luther King said. But Dr. Martin Luther King did preach hatred. He did, and a lot of what he preached about. He was trying to say that he is you no know, was was not you no know, very familiar with it. But if you really look at, it, he did preach hatred. He did. Um, if you really take the time to look at. It, here I mean it's really evident that uh you know, um really, really, really sad that we we uh um uh, see these things. You no, know, about a lot of stuff that's really really terrible. And, I mean, you got that going on. Um, we'll talk a whole lot more about that, you know, um, you know, as we grow, as we are going forward. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out here. A lot of people will get mad. And a lot of people want to say, well, he died because of hatred everything else. But technically speaking, it's people within his own organization that did get him killed. We'll talk about all that as well. Um, as we get our hosts and people, uh, guests into this, 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 uh, dialogue here. But let me go a little bit further here. Now, yes, Dr. Martin King did talk about a preach hatred. He talked about he did love your enemies. But see, here's the problem with this. No, he really did not believe. In Christ. And a lot of people get mad about that. But the truth is he did not. He did not believe in there because his whole thing was it um if God really really it, it, it quote quote um loves blacks and he got white people, he got different ethnic groups and stuff like that. And because it's part of his thesis to get his doctorate right, then why in the world do we have this problem in the black community? If God's really for us, why this stuff is going on in the black community? No. I'm going to read a little bit of why he's like that because I'm going to read this part here. And, um, you know, in age 15, you know, he was a very smart guy. You know, he entered Morehouse college in Atlanta under the special wartime program intended to boost enrollment by a minute promising high school students like King before being be, uh, began college. However, King spent the summer on the tobacco farm of uh, Connecticut. It was his first uh, standing stay away from home and his first substantial experience of race relations outside the segregated South. He was shocked by how peaceful the race meant in the North. Negroes and whites go to the same church, he'd you known in the letters to his parents. I never thought that a person of my race could eat anywhere. The summer experience of of the North only deepens King's growth, uh, growing hatred of racial segregation. True, but it's a little bit more to it. I'm going to read this here to when he was getting his doctrine. Now, that King spent the next three years at of course, at the theological seminary in Chester, Pennsylvania, where he began acquainted with McGannis Gandhi philosophy of Navas as well with the uh, thought of contemporary uh, progressive uh, Protestant theologians. Now, right here, he earned his bachelor in divinity in 1951, Ren- renowned for his oral speech. King was elected president of the course I by. And we could go in a little bit more when he also made the statement here in that stood by in 1955 that he said that if Christ really is for us, why does blacks have to be segregated in the South? If God's really for us. Remember, he was a good orator. Now, the main reason why I'm jumping into today, we're going to be talking a whole lot more about Dr. Martin Luther King and why a lot of Blacks, and I'm saying Blacks because that is the ethnic group I'm from, are not really understanding the truth. But let's say, let's go a little bit further here. If you go to Google and they always want to pinpoint um, hate, uh, hatred towards uh, Caucasians you, you know it's funny because it's you no know, the white people who are you know who did bring uh Christianity that are were against a lot of stuff that were not right in in God's eyes these are the various people that you are that uh, the people from the far left is try to go against it doesn't make sense. Then you preach the same hatred in the in the um, in the um, in the churches today. The same hatred, and you get mad, you know, about all this because someone because you don't like someone who is a different skin color. Well, it's planted in different churches everywhere in America. You know, one thing I noticed that, um, in, you know is that in, um, you know, in America, we are segregated. But even with that segregation, it's still some evil stuff going on, too. Okay, let me let me do this here. Like, I'm going to read this here about the five Christian hate groups that the humanists, which is humanists is a bad site. Because it's left wing. They always want to throw in, um, the, um, they always, they always want to throw in their input, but they don't even know the truth. Like, I'm gonna give you an example here. And they get this information from the Southern Property Law Center, which is another hate group, right? And they always want to throw in the, the, um, the stuff that's going on to try to make themselves um, so indentured of the hate group. But these are the people who, who spread hate everywhere. And this this uh, site, thehemless.com, is an evil site. It's very evil. Um, and they label these groups here. Like uh, the Kingdom Identity Ministries. Um, this group here, they try to say, is a hate group, right? You no, know, because it's trying to uh, identify itself here. Now I'm gonna give it. Don't get me wrong. Some of these things are hate groups. Um, uh, and this here is really, really sad. A lot of this here are very identified, like, uh, people. And it is, it's, it's crazy. A lot of this stuff here, you know, half of these people are old. They don't have a clue what's going on. They really are out of touch with reality. Like the Keenan Identity Ministries, the American Promise Ministries, right? You know, a lot of them, are they are groups but let me tell you a little bit of secret that you guys need to understand here these guys here are just like the progressives they are they are like the progressives exactly the same thing they are you no know, the progressives of the same mindset the same will and everything you name. How, what do you mean, Cleveland? Well, think about it. They are the, exactly the mindset of their uh, whole intelligence. So you think about you guys, of the, the far, the alt-right, which these guys were progressives, the neo Nazis of the progressives, the white nationalists who are, you know, who claim that all white people should be controlling everything, are progressives, the black uh, uh, the black su- uh, supremacists, the white supremacist, they all progressive. The, the, uh, the far left is progressive. The mindset of different things that the far left believes is progressivism. I could go down the list. It's progressive. All of it. So why are this is a problem? Because if you go down the list, Google is not going to give you the whole truth about all these things. No. Why? Well, because God knows everything. And I'm going to tell you something that's really strange with all of this, too. It, it it behooves me that you have so many people who don't even recognize somebody in their own body. Christ is bringing in stuff. We'll talk a, we'll talk a little bit more about this whole thing about. The um I, mean, I want to really put this in another perspective here. I want to talk about these these viewpoints about some people, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll go to uh break here in a few minutes, and we're gonna go ahead and come back on the flip side and we're gonna talk a whole lot more of what group is involved with all this division. Stay tuned. <laughs> The ball,
0: man. Make sure you join us on paying the Purpose yeah. Radio Show every Monday crazy. from four to five PM Damn. Mountain Standard Time on RCR Network.
1: I'ma get to that dope. Either way, go. Project purpose bringing hope. Either way, go purpose. Make it happen for the pope. either way go. We'll talk you let it show. Either- alright, alright, we got back here. And I am glad that you're back with me. I know this is, the introduction is a little bit longer than I expected, but I want to really give a good snippet of what it really entails with all of this here. Now, let me give you some five signs. And we're going to talk a little bit more on these signs as we're uh, going through the war with him. Now, a lot of times, a lot of people don't understand that, um a lot of people don't understand what progressive Christianity really is. I know that I'm getting the book that's coming in in the next week or so. And when we talk to the author of the book, hopefully, and we will try to get him on the air. And that is Brandon Hauser, who wrote the book called Martianity. And I am very floored on the fact that people really believe what they do. And so people in the body of Christ claim to be the body of Christ are very 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 bad in a lot of ways um and we're gonna give a snippet to this here from um i'm gonna read this here and we're gonna um give a little snippet here towards uh no no the end of this i'm gonna read some of this stuff here and her name is alisa uh childers who really Put it into a nutshell, it's about the five signs that your church might be headed towards a progressive Christianity. And I'm gonna read some of these here, and we can go ahead and get the audio of it so we could go ahead and put it out there. There, are, now here are some of the things that the five things that she knows, and it's more, but here's some of it. I'm gonna read this here and. I'm gonna read, it, and she gonna. I'm gonna get the audio so you can listen to it. Here is one of them. Mister, the one of the biggest things here is there is a lower view of the Bible. Now, one of the main difference between progressive Christianity and historic Christianity is the view of the Bible. Historically, Christians, historically Christians are viewed. The Bible as the word God and author and authoritative to our lives. The progressive Christianity generally advanced these terms, emphasize a personal belief over biblical mandates. That's what's going on. If you notice that that's is one of the ages we'll be continuing talking about in the very things. here, Here's some of the things they're going to say. Now, here's some of the comments that you may hear from some people who talk about this, that the Bible is a human book. Or I disagree with the Apostle Paul on that issue or the Bible condones immorality. So we are obligated to reject what is said in certain places and the Bible contains the word of God. The Bible contains the word of God. Doesn't make sense, but that's what's going on here. Number two, here's another one that says here, feelings are emphasized over facts. In the progressive churches, people em- uh, experiences, feelings, opinions tend to be valued above objective truth. Now, this is one of the things that's really bad, what's going on in the body of Christ, that a lot of people are not objective to listen to the truth from God. Not hearing from the Holy Spirit, that means something's not right between your relationship between God and you. But here it is, as the Bible ceases to be the view as God's definitive word, what are what a person feels to be true becomes the ultimate authority of faith and practice. And here's some comments you may hear about that. That the Bible verse doesn't resound uh resonate with me. It doesn't resonate with me at all. I thought homosexuality was a sin until I met and befriended some gay people. And we'll talk more about that later. Now, I just can't believe Jesus would send good people to hell. That's inclusionist. That's what's going on here. Number three. The essential Christian doctrine are open for reinterpretation. Now, progressive author John Pavasi words, there is no sacred cows in progressive Christianity. Tradition, doctrine, and dogma are all fair game because all pass through the hands of flawed humanity. Now, progressive Christians are often open to redefine and reinterpret the Bible on hot button more issues like homosexuality and abortion. And also cardinal doctrines such as the virgin conception and the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. And a lot of them are some of the groups like Hillsong, the Bible Correlation. Uh, even some of the things that's going on with the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, even something's going on with the, ref- the Reformers, and also I would go a little bit further, it's, even some, it's definitely happening in the Catholic Church and the mainline churches, because they're trying to bring everybody into their churches, but it, this is not Bible, and here are some of the things you might hear, that the resurrection of Jesus doesn't have to be A factual to speak truth. I want you to think about that one. The resurrected Jesus doesn't have to be factual to speak truth. It's a lot of preachers doing that nowadays. The church historic position on sexuality is erratic and needs to be updated within the modern framework. That's what's going on here. People think I'm crazy because we talk at this terms here and not even um, know, know about all this stuff that's going on here. And it's sad that a lot of stuff is, is really, really. Mm, yeah, I know it's you probably don't think that this is what's going on. In the body of Christ, but this is some people in there. And here's another one. It's really, really critical. The idea of a literal hell is offensive to non-Christians and needs to be reinterpreted. I want you to really think about that one. We can't talk about hell no more. We're not talk about sin no more. We can't even talk about the actual, factual Jesus Christ. We can't. Why? Because it goes against the world. And this is what's going on in the body of Christ now, right now, today in the, in the church that we go to, even the ones that people who say they are full bonafide believers, you got a, a man who's on the pulpit probably preaching this way, or you got members who are part of some kind of department of, of the church or leaders of it who think this way, or you got some people who are in sin. And not just talk about homosexuality or or um talk about things like a uh, accept abortion. We talk about people who commit adultery and don't mind to be married four or five, eight times. That's problem here. Here's another one. Historic terms are redefined. Very critical one. And like I said here, we're going to she I'm going to get her To explain a little bit more because she's going to explain a little bit because I'm reading a little bit what she said here. And she's right. Look at this here. There are there are some progressive uh, churches who say they are they affirm doctrine like biblical inspiration in er inerrancy and authority. But they have to do uh, uh, the legal genesis to make those words mean what they want. Them to me. Now. This is funny. That she did ask this pastor this question here. And she did ask this pastor. Do you believe the Bible. Is the. Define the, the. uh the aspire. He answered confidently. Yes of course. However I mistakenly assume. That when using the word. inspire, who, who both. We both uh, meant the same thing. He clarified months later uh, what he meant. They, that the Bible is inspired in the same way and in the same level of many other Christian books, songs, and sermons. This is, of course, not how Christians have historically understood the doctrine of divine inspiration. Another word, it tends to give progressives. Uh, makeover is the word love. Now, I want you to think about that. We pluck out the biblical context. It becomes a catch-all term for everything non-conformative, pleasant, or affirming. Here's some of the things you may hear. God wouldn't punish sinners. He, lo- he is love. We talked about that earlier before. God wouldn't punish sinners. He is love. Sure, the Bible is authoritative, but we must understood it for the first 2,000 years of Christian history. And you probably don't hear this in a lot of churches like that, but it's a people be trying to make the Bible much more condesc- uh, uh, condescending. And here's another one it's not a job to talk to, uh, talk to anyone about sin. Is our job just love them? This is really sad, but I want to get to the last part of this, then we'll go ahead and get to her audio. The heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. Very, 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 very important to understand why the progressive mindset is like this. There is no doubt that the Bible commands us to take care of the unfortunate and defend those who are oppressed. This is a very real and profoundly important part of what it means to live out our Christian faith. However, the core message of Christianity, the gospel. Plain and simple, is this, that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and resurrected and therefore reconciled us to God. That's what it really means. This message is and that will truly bring freedom to the oppressed. It does. If you are physically oppressed, that's one thing. But when you're spiritually oppressed, you're free to become more of what God called you be. See, a lot of people, especially progressive Christianity and the social justice movement, are wholly focused on the physical aspect of it. But they forgive and they, and they trying to muddle the, 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 uh, the mental aspect to be oppressed, but they never tap into the spiritual side of it. Why? Because when you are oppressed spiritually, those things for the mental and physical is going to keep you oppressed. You got to be break free from the, the spiritual oppression. Once you understand what God called you to do to become more mental and physical, free from sin, which that's where you have to declare Jesus as your Lord. That's as simple as that. Now, many progressive Christians today find the concept of God willing his son to die on the cross to be embarrassing or even appalling. Yeah, this is how they think. Sometimes referred to as the cosmic child abuse, the idea of blood atonement is a de emphasized or denied altogether with social justice and good words to enthrone in its place. Here's some of the things that comes along here. Sin doesn't separate us from God. We are made in his image and he called us good. That's a the atheist way of looking at it. Humans are no good because we're born to sin. Thanks to Adam and Eve. But in the Christian in in, uh, in progressive Christianity, no, that's never the case because they don't want you to think about the fact that you are a sinner. You are lost and you are dead to God. That sounds hard to some people, but this is the truth. You can't. Excuse it. I don't know why people try to, but that's what's going on. But you hear this in churches. You hear people talk about God's love. Yeah, he is. He loves you so much that he 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 loves you that much to see you go to hell. Because. Free will. You made a choice to go to hell. And you get mad at God for that reason. Look at this. God didn't actually require a sacrifice for our sins. The first Christian, the first Christians picked up on the uh, uh, pagan practice of animal sacrifice and told that Jesus' story is sim- in similar terms. Now, I heard this from Buddhists. I heard this from Hindus, even Muslims about that. And that's why people want to include them, and and you know they want us to tolerate all the people that hate Christians, include the people then within the churches to just be a, be tolerant. They just like us. They pray. They pray to the same God. That's a lie. None of them pray to the same God. Jesus rose. You can find the bones of Muhammad. You can find the, the bones of Confucius. You can find the the bones of Buddha. You can find all those bones, you can find their, their, their burial grounds, and you can go to the homage, but you cannot find Jesus Christ's bones or anything because he resurrected. However, you have people believe this entirely. Why? Because they misconception about the truth about God. That's the problem. And here's a real good one. We don't really need to preach the gospel. We just need to show how we need to show love by bringing justice to the oppressed and provision to the needy. Now, this is why it's very, very important. To understand now, she's going to talk about it a little bit more here, but I'm gonna read her conclusion in this. Identify the signs is not always obvious, sometimes they are soluble and mixed with a lie of truth. That's my point I'm saying here. Progressive Christianity can be persuasive and enticing, but carried out to its logical end is an assault on the foundational framework of Christianity, leaving it disarm of its saving power. Destroy God what it's doing. We shouldn't be surprised to find some of these ideals and infiltrate our churches. It's alive there. Jesus warned us, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing bringing inward their uh, 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 inwardly their there are furious wolves, Matthew chapter seven, verse fifteen. Now, some now, so if you spot any of those five dangers, she said, in your practice of worship, it might be time to pray about finding a fellowship in a more biblical, faithful church community. I'm gonna tell you something that's very, very hard. Uh, uh very um, you know. You know, very, very, very hard to talk about. You know, I used to be part of some of this stuff. I did. And I'm talking about, I used to be hard at it. Uh, I remember for a fact um, how hard I was in it. And it was very, very, very um, hard. It It really was. How hard was it, Cleveland? It was super hard. Because I realized. That. The people who are. Who were. And always have. Is that. All of this is going on. And I remember for a fact. That I used to believe this. I did. I used to believe in that mindset like that, and I tell you not. It's not good. It's not good to be like that. What? And, and you probably ask the question, say, "Well, uh, Cleveland, why? You no, know, who? You no, know, why were you in that mindset? Because think about it. You know, when you think like a." A uh you no, know, um as a uh progressive. You know, you can think like that, and I'm talking about in terms of not hearing the Bible but being the feelings about it, that's where you really get the, the notion that we are we you are in danger wars here. Literally, you are in heap of danger wars when it comes to that notion. And it's a dangerous thing to really it uh really see in and now people are really it's like a they get side uh you no know, you know how you get uh hit to the side real hard and without knowing and you wonder what happened here. Oh my god what happened. So we're gonna go ahead and listen to um Alicia Chivers on this because she got uh this this you know the podcast on it and we're going to let you listen to it for a few minutes and we're gonna uh after that we're gonna go ahead and close it out here. So listen to what she had to say, then we could go ahead and come back and we'll I'm gonna give you the people who's involved with this. So stay tuned.
2: Are you concerned that your church might be becoming progressive? What is progressive Christianity? Here are five signs your church might be heading toward progressive Christianity. Several years ago, my husband and I began attending a local, evangelical, non-denominational church, and we loved it. We cherished the sense of community we found among the loving and authentic people we met there, and the intelligent, outside-the-box pastor who led our flock with thought-provoking and insightful sermons. Sadly, the church started going off the rails theologically, and after about a year and a half, we made the difficult decision to leave. Today, that church is a self-titled progressive Christian community. Back then, I had never heard of progressive Christianity, and even now it is difficult to pin down what actually qualifies someone as a progressive Christian due to the diversity of beliefs that fall under that designation. However, there are signs, certain phrases and ideas that seem to be consistent in progressive circles. Here are five danger signs to watch for in your church. Number one, there is a lowered view of the Bible. One of the main differences between progressive Christianity and historic Christianity is its view of the Bible. Historically, Christians have viewed the Bible as the Word of God and authoritative for our lives. Progressive Christianity generally abandons these terms, emphasizing personal belief over biblical mandate. Comments you might hear, The Bible is a human book. I disagree with the Apostle Paul on that issue. The Bible condones immorality, so we are obligated to reject what it says in certain places. The Bible contains the Word of God. Number 2. Feelings are emphasized over facts. In progressive churches, personal experiences, feelings, and opinions tend to be valued above objective truth. As the Bible ceases to be viewed as God's definitive Word, what a person feels to be true becomes the ultimate authority for faith and practice comments you might hear. That Bible verse doesn't resonate with me. I thought homosexuality was a sin until I met and befriended some gay people. I just can't believe Jesus would send good people to hell. Number 3. Essential Christian Doctrines Are Open for Reinterpretation Progressive author John Pavlovitz wrote, There are no sacred cows in progressive Christianity. Tradition, dogma, and doctrine are all fair game, because all pass through the hands of flawed humanity. Progressive Christians are often open to redefining and reinterpreting the Bible on hot-button moral issues like homosexuality and abortion, and also cardinal doctrines such as the virgin conception and the bodily resurrection of Jesus. The only sacred cow is no sacred cows. Comments you might hear. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't have to be factual to speak truth. The Church's historic position on sexuality is archaic and needs to be updated within a modern framework. The idea of a literal hell is offensive to non-Christians and needs to be reinterpreted. Number 4. Historic terms are redefined. There are some progressive Christians who say they affirm doctrines like biblical inspiration, inerrancy, and authority, but they have to do linguistic gymnastics to make those words mean what they want them to mean. I remember asking a pastor, Do you believe the Bible is divinely inspired? He answered confidently, Yes, of course. However, I mistakenly assumed that when using the word inspired, we both meant the same thing. He clarified months later what he meant that the Bible is inspired in the same way and on the same level as many other Christian books, songs, and sermons. This, of course, is not how Christians have historically understood the doctrine of divine inspiration. Another word that tends to get a progressive makeover is the word love. When plucked out of its biblical context, it becomes a catch-all term for everything non-confrontative, pleasant, and affirming. Comments you might hear, "'God wouldn't punish sinners. He is love.'" Sure, the Bible is authoritative, but we've misunderstood it for the first 2,000 years of church history. It's not our job to talk to anyone about sin. It's our job to just love them. Number five, the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. There is no doubt that the Bible commands us to take care of the unfortunate and defend those who are oppressed. This is a very real and profoundly important part of what it means to live out our Christian faith. However, the core message of Christianity, the gospel, is that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and resurrected, and thereby reconciled us to God. This is the message that will truly bring freedom to the oppressed. Many progressive Christians today find the concept of God willing His Son to die on the cross to be embarrassing or even appalling, sometimes referred to as cosmic child abuse The idea of blood atonement is de-emphasized or denied altogether, with social justice and good works enthroned in its place. Comments you might hear. Sin doesn't separate us from God. We are made in His image, and He called us good. God didn't actually require a sacrifice for our sins. The first Christians picked up on the pagan practice of animal sacrifice and told the Jesus story in similar terms. We don't really need to preach the gospel. We just need to show love by bringing justice to the oppressed and provision to the needy. Conclusion Identifying the signs is not always obvious. Sometimes they are subtle and mixed with a lot of truth. Progressive Christianity can be persuasive and enticing, but carried out to its logical end, it is an assault on the foundational framework of Christianity, leaving it disarmed of its saving power. We shouldn't be surprised to find some of these ideas infiltrating our churches. Jesus warned us, watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Matthew seven, fifteen. So if you spot any of these five danger signs in your place of worship, it might be time to pray about finding fellowship in a more biblically faithful church community.
1: All right, thank you to be, uh to tune in to the War Within of the Biblical Editorial Review. You know now, I know a lot of people probably want to ask this question. They say, okay, clearly you got on there, it says worldviews. Why are you emphasizing worldviews? Well, because the part of this ministry of the Biblical Editorial Review is about worldviews. And the main thing that people miss about worldviews nowadays, they don't understand the the, the magnitude of the worldview. They hyper-focus on why the worldviews are so relative to today, but never to understand the concept behind the worldviews. So I want to go ahead to really sum up into a nutshell what is a worldview. Well, worldview is your outlook of how you look at things in life. OK, it's your whole makeup of your environment, even to the point of how you see things in the eyes of different lenses. Now a lot of people will probably have this, this notion to believe that a worldview usually means that you see the things in the in the view of the world. That's a misconception from, from anybody who tells you what a worldview really is. Okay? Because a worldview has so many uh, uh meanings. it goes side by side uh, backwards and forward, up and down. And a lot of times, a lot of people don't get it because they all will willfully don't want to seek God in the matter. Because of the worldview, you you, you look at everything and you never really take the time to, to understand that concept of the worldview. So that's why we should bring in things like progressive Christianity, socialism, things like that, or even things about the social issues going on, those are worldviews because it is a philosophy of life and conception of the world. But Christian worldviews are a totally different persona. It really is. Because if you really think about it, what is a Christian worldview? What is it? And why is it so, so important to understand the concept of a Christian worldview? It's, it's like I said, it's more than just a religious belief system. It's a it's the complete and integrated framework through which to see the entire world from God's uh, lenses, Jesus Christ's lenses, through the Holy Spirit. Now, a Christian worldview is comprehensive view of the world from a biblical standpoint. The Bible, the Bible is the foundational persona of why a worldview is very important. Therefore, a Christian view of the world should be the integrate whole compr- uh, compr- uh, comprise. I'm sorry, the whole comprise of number of distinct biblical elements. Indeed, each Christian should filter his or her day through the pair. A biblical spiritual goggles to see the world in a harmless set of beliefs and perspectives like the Christian theology. That's why a lot of the things you got to understand why this is important here. Now, people just always want to battle about this thing about Trinitarianism, which, you know, this should not be a war, but people make it to a war because it's about theism. Theism is the body, is the, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because if Christian worldview of an affirmation is the existence of the intelligence, power, love, just, and also God who exists in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From a Christian perspective, in the beginning, God is the foundation of all men, right? The Christian worldview fathers proclaims that this powerful, intelligent God who creates all things in heaven and earth is the same God who took upon himself human form in the person of Jesus Christ and died for our sins. Christianity proclaims a God who is both mind and heart, who do not create, who not, who not only create the world. But also love it so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for it. In the progressive Christianity, you listen to what Elisa was saying. They don't talk about this. That's why we are laying this foundation about all of this right here, right now. Now, Christian philosophy. Supernaturalism, faith and reason. The single most important philosophy truth in Christian worldview is the, that Jesus Christ is the God's word or mind of God. That means he's the, he is God. He is God. Now, the Christian philosophy said Christ, the God's is, is explanation for the universe and everything in it. The major charge against the Christian worldview in general and Christian philosophy in particular is is that is unscientific because that's what people want to see. Okay? But Christian claim that the Christian doctrines of God create Lagos, design, purpose, law, or and life are reasonable and consistent with the Findings of science, history, and personal experience in a way that the philosophies and the derelicts, materialism, and philosophical naturism would never be. Now, why we talk about derelict and materialism? That's like more like what you see is what you get. More like agnostic uh, 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 post and also the, uh, the philosophical naturalism would never meet it because that's where you get humanism from. Secular humanists think this way. But that's a lot of people who go to, to the church do think like this. They think like a materialist and they think like a secular humanist. That's their worldview. And this is the main reason why we have a problem in the body of Christ. Now, Chris. Now, here it is the Christian edges, the more absolutes. This is moral absolutes. OK, here it is the according to the Christian worldview. God, moral nat- nature is absolute and unchanged. So when you got progressives, um, liberals that comes into the body of Christ and want to change the word of God and want to change God himself you're going to have a problem and you have a church that thinks this way. So think about God always hates evil and loves good. The Bible is the supreme importance because it tells us the difference between good and evil, providing a framework on which a completely unambiguous ethics must be built. According to the Christian worldview, Ethical realism leads to destruction. Matthew chapter seven, verse 13. Okay. Christian ethics is inseparable from t- Christian theology for the simple reason that Christian ethics is grounded in the character of God. That's why we say homosexuality is not, is not biblical. It's unethical. It's not biblical sound. And people want to change it. Abortion is, is unbiblical, unethical, and not spiritual sound. No woman's health should be a derelict to, to make it to be an importance that God don't care. God do care, but God do not care for you to destroy something he create. That's the, that's the more, that's the more absolute of God. If God makes something, why would you destroy it? But we do it every time. Now, rather than believing in some ethical scheme bound in bound to society, ever clean whims, the Christian worldview has a specific moral or revealed to man through both general revelation and special revelation of the Bible and the person of Jesus Christ. Now, how is that important today? We'll talk about that in a few minutes here. I just want to... Pull, pull some things into here of, of reasoning of why this is important. Okay. Now, thinking about this about create, uh, uh, Christian, uh, Christianity and science, creation, talking about the, the, not only of the creators perspective can adequately account for the design of the nature since the, the, uh, the polystates of design the lawgiver, and the orally cause, while the, material, uh, the materialist can only have the possible chance. The Christian worldview holds that the, the creationist model, as described in the scriptures, better fits the facts of science than the evolutionary model. Christianity trusts the authority of Genesis and the cle- declaration concerning cre- uh, creation, such as Mark chapter 10 verse 6 and Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Create, create uh, Christianity and science are demonstrated to be compatible and to declare the unset of that God create all things in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. The Bible gives us information about God and his universe while science gives us information about God's universe. Here's the thing that's very, very that'll make a lot of people angry, but this is the truth. Christian psychology, which is mind by and dualism, which is the fall, fallen nature of man. Now, only the Christian worldview with its emphasis on spiritual and its understanding of man's fallen condition, Romans chapter one and two can truly address the innermost concerns of the individual. Christian philosophy helps people get in touch with their real selves only because it's allowed them to recognize their own sinfulness and consequently their need for a savior. Our greatest need is not uh, self-esteem Rather than is the realization that we are sinners in rebellion against God. This is don't, it's not, this here is not taught in a lot of progressive Christians. Like Hill Song. Like uh, the Gospel Coalition. Some of the churches that we are going to today that comes, I mean, who knows a lot of churches is popping everywhere. pop, 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 pop all over the place. Why? Well, it's because. Of these things is going on here. It probably all over the place because a lot of them are not stable. Because they don't understand. They said this is how we make good money. We'll talk about that in the later broadcasters. But let me continue on here. Why it's important that we are sinners in rebellion against God. That only, only after receiving Christ as Savior can people begin to understand that value. As creations uh, in God's image and lead triumph lives, rather than demanding that the individual uh, uh, that the individual ignores his conscience, the Christian worldview calls for him to recognize that his guilt is real. Then the then to face his guilt and repent. We don't want to talk about what is going on with us anymore. We hyper-focus on why it's so bad in society, but we don't take ownership of the sins that we do, which they leads to me about sociology. Remember social justice stuff? Well, we're going to break it down of why social justice is just nothing when it comes to God, when he deals with things. And we'll talk about justice in a minute here. Okay? Let's talk about the traditional family, church, and state. According to the Christian worldview, Christian sociology is based on the position or proposition of both the individual and the social order are important to God, mankind and society. Christ died, rose again for each person as individual. God also ordained the social institutions of family, church and state to teach love, respect, discipline, work and community. Within the Christian worldview framework, sociology focuses both on society as a means for human cooperation in accordance with God's will and on the individual as a vital part of various social institutions in society, which that's why we got natural law, divine Christianity and law. According to the Christian worldview, law consisted of both natural and divine law originate in the very character or a righteous or a righteous and loving God divine law is eternal because God is eternal it is so eternal and permanent that some that God will use it to judge the world as chapter seventeen verse thirty one make you think about this here in judgment. Based on the natural and revealed law, Romans chapter 2, verse 12, God established human governments and the rule of law primarily to keep in check man's sinful nature and passions. Romans chapter 13, verse 4, plus 1 to 4. Because of the fall of man, human history reflects a continued effort by men to uh, substitute man-made laws for god's law like abortion the Roe versus way that's a man-made law okay god never made that law man did god did not make for uh his word to be taken out of the institution of learning but it's happened so that's why if you see the fall of man, what is going on, this is what happens here. We'll talk about that about justice, freedom, and or in a minute. Okay. Now, the Christian worldview asserts that when God's law are obeyed, men and society thrive. It does. The Christian concept of human rights involves the biblical doctrine of man's creation in the image of God. That's why abortion is evil. That's why homosexuality is not part of God's law. It isn't. It's not. Okay? It's not. Because God made man, woman. Okay? That's how the institution of the family comes about. It's not the the alternative of man to men, to women. It's not... Uh, the uh, Even the same thing for a single person who has children. And I'm talking about the fact if the person's husband died, right? <laughs> I mean, died and, and been a widow for a while. I'm talking about they willfully want to have children. They did have children because they don't want to do the act of murder. They want to keep the children still not, and in, 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 it's exactly God's um, plan. However, God can work that out if you repent and go His way. It's the child is not a consequence. The child is at your reward. The consequences is your act that you did. The only thing you have, you're going to strive, you're going to keep on going on, on, on struggling. Until you make things right with him, until you get things right in the order that God has it. That's the truth. Now, these rights, which carry with them specific responsibilities, are unalienated or unalienable. Why is our Christian politics, Justice Freeman or And this is where a lot of people get so it just gets a little sticky to a lot of people. The Christian worldview recognizes the state as God's ordained institution. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 7, and 1st Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Christianity also believes in the depravity of man and his moral responsibility. Therefore, government is a necessity, uh, is, uh is necessary institution. However, government has limited obligations, not authoritarian powers. The Bible calls for limited government. Caesar has his role, but God also appoints separate roles from for the family and the church. And this is where a lot of people get this misconception from. They want to use the social justice. To, and use the government to thrive into that justice. But God already made that happen for the people in, you no, know, uh, in different places around the world. And I say around the world because this is a worldly issue, not just here in America. And look at this is a Christian, uh, economics, stewardship of property. The Christian wor- uh, worldview begins its economic theory with the uh, assumption about human nature. The Bible declares that man is sinful. The Bible declares that. The Bible also established the concept of justice. Therefore, the most desirable economic system promotes justice by protecting the rights of individuals from infringements by others, containing basic checks and balances that can guarantee the protection protection of human rights, according to the Christian Worldview, maintains that the free enterprise system is the most compatible with these criterion, cr- cr- uh, criterion. Let me explain what that means. Like capitalism, free enterprise, fair trade, f- you no know, free trade, things like that. That's what makes things thrive. And the Bible constitute all of these things. So that's why socialism doesn't work. Okay? It never will work. Look at Venezuela right now. That's all I need to say. And you got people like Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, even some Muslims that wants to use Sharia to bring in like, uh, Omar, and, uh, that, that senator from, um, Michigan, I mean, not senator, but, uh, gov- uh, 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 House of Representative, And I could go on and on. Liberalism, conservatism, uh, liberalism, progressivism, and socialism are all tied up to that. And people do believe this wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. That's why it's very important to understand that. Once we go through the series, you will see why God does not like the fact that people want to change something that He created to benefit the whole family. He say, "Well, well, how come of um, uh, uh, people get the uh, uh don't benefit from uh, capitalism?" Because there's a lot of lazy people out here. That's why when the government come in and try to control people, like have all these social programs like public housing, welfare, uh, WIC, um, you know, um, child support, things like that. That right there. It's not biblical. And you got a lot of people in the churches today. Said this is God's will. This is reparations from the government. And we'll talk about reparations as well as we go through this whole study. Okay. And let me put this in here in this perspective that economic system can that uh, check injustice and grant men responsibility in terms of both private property and economic decisions can allow men the freedom to act with the, all the dignity and of beings created in God's image. The important ends of economic theory in Christian worldview is not riches or luxury, but the freedom to seek fulfillment through the understanding of one's world, one's role in God's universe. Make you think about it. And of course, we need to talk about Christianity and history, creation, fall, and redemption. Okay. The. Christian worldview sees history as a movement from the creation of the world through the fall of humanity to the redemption of the world and humanity. It was the fall that destroys humanity's relationship with God, each of each other, and the world. It was the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that redeems humanity and the will finally restore the world back to under God's good rule. Why? Why is this? Because Christianity. The, uh, the Christian worldview. Affects every area of life. From philosophy to sociology. From science to philosophy. From our laws to the economics. True biblical Christianity. Is more than a set of. Religious doctrines. To recite at church. It is taught. Christianity, as taught in the Bible, is a complete worldview. Yes, and why? Because of Jesus, we all we have all sin and deserve God's punishment and judgment. God the Father sent His Holy Son, His only Son, to satisfy the judgment of those who believe in Him. Jesus, the creator and eternal son of God, who lived a sinless life, loves us so much that he died for our sins, taking the punishment that we deserve, was buried, rose from the dead, according to the Bible. If you truly believe and trust this in your heart, receive Jesus alone as your Lord and Savior, declaring Jesus is Lord, you will be saved from judgment and spend eternity with God in heaven. That is important. But even in the the way things are in our culture, people want to destroy that. We had a choice to make. And next week, I'm going to show you what these things are. I'm going to bring these things out. It's going to be people who will try to kill it. I know uh, people on Facebook and Twitter and places like that will try to go against it. But God said, let my word be first. And man, don't worry about it. I'm paraphrasing what that is so meaningful but this is why it was so important that we need to make this right so until next week stay true to God and stay focused on the word because it's a lot of things going on within the body of Christ that we need to break free from the evil that has planted roots
0: inside the church you be blessed we'll see you next week do you see what this really is it's a cry for war on discernment and truth no longer is it perceived as being correct and necessary to biblically test the spirits to see if they be of god and no longer are we to examine by the word of god teachings prophecy manifestations or signs and wonders no what we are being told to do is accept it all without question for if we don't we are an enemy Come back next week about exposing the war within the body of Christ. The biblical editorial review is copyright by the Resilient Christian Radio Network.